1: This is the Steelers standard on Steelers nation radio and podcast on Steelers.com. How do you replace TJ Watt? It's impossible to do. There is no other TJ Watt, but damn it. The Steelers are going to try on Sunday against the new England Patriots. I think it comes down a lot to the scheme. I think it comes down to coaching. I think you need to put other players in good positions To help maximize their impact in order to mask the impact you're losing from TJ Watt. What do I mean by that? Maybe you bump Cam Hayward out to the outside a little bit, have him open or have him go up against the tackle, pass rush from there. Maybe you put Chris Wormley out there. I know Matt Williamson was saying last night on Countdown to Kickoff Wormley stood up some at Michigan. That Mm -hmm. was a while ago, but hey, he still has that memory and that ability to do so in his arsenal, I'm sure. Get creative with guys on the line. Throw a couple extra guys out there, some extra beef. Maybe you put louder milk inside, like I said, and that allows you to bump Hayward outside. And I don't know, but you need to be creative. I think it's more than just line up Malik Reed in the T.J. Watt role mm-hmm. and away you go. Your defense is a little bit less, but it's still very impactful. I don't think that that's the case especially when it comes to stopping the run. I think T.J. Watt is very underrated as a run-stuffer, almost because he's so great as a pass rusher that you just don't really think to talk about his run-stuffing ability. But you saw it in full display against Joe Mixon and the Bengals. He's, he is a presence that deters the running game towards the other side of the line. They don't even run towards T.J. Watt most of the time. I have a feeling that the Patriots are going to start this game by running towards Malik Reed's side of the field because the biggest, you know, negative on Malik Reed in Denver in his entire career has been he's not the best against the run. He's he's kind of a smaller body, about 6'1", 6'2", low center of gravity. Think James Harrison on the build, but do not think James Harrison on the level of play or ability to stop the run. If I am the Patriots offensive coordinator, and if that was the case, I'd be three different people, I would be looking at Malik Reed and saying, let's run Harris, let's run Stevenson on that side of the ball. So first and foremost, I think the biggest thing you're you're losing with T.J. Watt isn't necessarily the ability to get after the quarterback. I think you've got many, many guys that are capable of doing that without him in the game. It's his ability to stop the run, and I worry that Malik Reed is going to be lacking in that department and kind of be a, a giant, you know, blinking
0: sign for the Patriots, run this way, run this way. I, I agree, and it has nothing to do with Malik Reed specifically. I, I understand the point you're trying to make, but to me, Belichick is going to be smart enough to say, okay, Mac Jones has virtually nobody to throw to. I have two running backs in both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, and this team came in DFL. Dead last last season against the run. They just lost TJ Watt. Doesn't matter if it's Alex Ismith and, and Bud Dupree. there's not TJ Watt out there. So I'm gonna do my damnedest to run the ball as often as I can. And I understand the point you're trying to say about Malik Reed not the best run stopper. That just compounds onto everything that's that I've I've said so far. So I, I do think that Belichick is Belichick is not someone who overthinks, right? I think Randy Feekner had that issue. I think Matt Canada had that issue a little bit ago. Big Ben, I think, had that issue also just by kind of a, in a selfish way almost just by saying I'd rather have the ball in my hands than give it to my stud rookie running back last year. Belichick is not someone who overthinks the situation, right? And and we saw that case in point last year against Buffalo when the winds were going like, what, 50 miles an hour. Rain was coming down in in Buffalo on the road. And he just said, "There's no reason for me to th- put the ball through the air here because it's not going to go in the place that I needed to. I'm just going to run the football a hundred times, and we're kind of we're going to come out of that game as winners." I, I'm not. The weather is not going to be that bad as it was in Buffalo last year when the Patriots won that game. But I could easily see be- Belichick saying, "Yeah, I understand. Mika Fitzpatrick is out there. I don't want to throw the ball anywhere near him or at the risk of him seeing where the ball is going to go and he's going to come to." The, to he's going to break away from his assignment and just read Mac Jones 100% of the way through and get that interception. I'm just going to put the ball in my running back's hands. No T.G. Watt out there. It's a pretty easy winning formula on offense. Yeah, I think the Belichick, Patricia, Joe Judge
1: offense is just going to be very plain Jane. Uh, I, 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 Last year, they were one of the more explosive offenses Which in football.
0: Which is so under the radar. like it You, you, you do not really think of, think of that offense in that way. But I know why they were. Josh McDaniels is such Mm -hmm. a good
1: offensive coordinator and had such a good pulse for that offense. And he's been working with the GOAT forever. He's so good at working with quarterbacks. He was such a good person for Mac Jones to find himself under in his rookie year. He knew exactly when to play it safe with Mac Jones, but then he also knew exactly when to go downfield 30, 40 yards for Mm -hmm. a big play. He he had such a good finger on the pulse of that Patriots offense, and you didn't see really any explosive plays against the Dolphins in Week 1, and that might just be because Belichick, Patricia, Judge, none of these guys have been offensive coordinators before. Belichick, I mean, has been the closest to any, than any of them, just from de facto being a head coach. He's paying attention to what the offense is doing, although I guarantee you, for a lot of the 2010s, it was Brady and McDaniels do your thing, Mm -hmm. and I'll just interject every once in a while if I see fit. I question if they're going to have the ability to be like, okay, a couple good runs there, nice little slant pass to Jacoby Meyer that got us a first down. It's first and 10. We're on our own 30. I like the package that's out there for the Steelers. Let's hit Jacoby Meyer deep on this play. Like I question if they have that, acumen at the O.C. position to recognize when it's time to take a shot, when it's time to be explosive as an offense. And therefore, I think they're going to be very, very boring
0: as an offense for a majority of the season. But that could still lead to a very good season by Ramajor Stevenson and Damian Harris. That could still lead to, again, I I have very low expectations for this team. Five, six, I think seven is their absolute max uh, in terms of wins on the season. But they could still get there through the ground, right, through the run game. And a lot of teams would have no problem with that. Hell, I bet you the Steelers fans would be jealous, right, or, or, or should be jealous of how often the, the Patriots would resort to running the football compared to the passing game just because the Steelers have a better running back than Najee Harris than the combination of Damian Harris and and uh, Ramondre Stevenson. And yet the Patriots still seem more comfortable going giving the ball to their inferior running backs. They do feel
1: comfortable doing that and their running backs are the best part of their offense. Uh
0: yeah, I mean I can we can name you the receiver or the the running backs Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers, sure. Kendrick Bourne, sure. I would not. Nelson
1: I Aguilar. Ey.
0: Well, Devontae Parker was second fiddle to uh, Jarvis Landry in Miami for forever. Then he became first fiddle, but then immediately became
1: second fiddle last year to Jalen Waddle, the rookie. Yep. So he's just a number two. Yeah. It's clear.
0: Jacoby Myers, I only know because it's another guy the Patriots tried to go out and get as a receiver and has yet to pay off. You almost need him to jump into a
1: bigger role just because everybody else is so lacking at that receiver position. But because the receivers are, are so just pedestrian for New England, I kind of feel more comfortable in this game creeping Minka up to the line of scrimmage a couple times. Maybe send Minka on a blitz from the outside to surprise Mac Jones on like a third and five, third and six because I think you can cover Jacoby Meyer, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar one-on-one. Man coverage straight up. Yes, Akello, Cam, Levi, they can all handle that. I think this is a game where you're going to be allowed to be a little flexible with your usage of Minka, because last week against Cincinnati, Minka just had to play in the back of the defense all game long, whether it be to clean up the run, uh, department he had 14 tackles which led the team or whether that be to help out on Jamar Chase to jump around on Tyler Boyd for a pick six excuse me so last week kind of limited had to had to stay home in that center field spot to help out the secondary this week uh, there's no Jamar uh, Tyler Boyd would be the number one wide receiver on
0: the New England Patriots so would would George Pickens be the number one receiver on this team? I don't know. That's hard
1: to say because they're not treating Kendrick Bourne
0: as a number one wide receiver yeah. right now.
1: But he'd have more potential than anybody on that receiving unit, much like Kendrick Bourne does. But I, I would just, yeah, I, I would just send Minka on a blitz every now and again. I would creep him up. I'd put him in a lot of exotic looks because you, you don't really need that fail safe mm-hmm. again. Are you? You shouldn't need that fail-safe against New England. You should be able to take him out man-to-man one-on-one. The receivers,
0: I mean. No, I, I fully agree. Uh, this this team, I, I, I think the biggest mis- mismatch is the Steelers' defense versus the New England offense. That's going to be the—in this game. I'm not saying league-wide. But for this game, for sure, the Steelers' defense, there, there, there should be no reason that— any of these receivers have a Jamar Chase-like day where even if, like like last week, where Joe Burrow struggled and threw four interceptions to start, but Jamar Chase still found the end zone and, and still finished, what, with over 100 yards on the day? Yeah, he was a freak. I don't see any... I mean, these guys are not Jamar Chase. Nope. These guys are not T Higgins. And as you said, Tyler Boyd of the Bengals, who is their wide receiver three, could easily be wide receiver one on the Patriots. So I like... To see some more exotic
1: stuff with Minka this week for sure, and I think that helps in the TJ Watt department too. I, again, I, I'm not super worried about generating a pass rush, but you got to have the sacks come from somewhere. And we saw Minka come on a blitz against Jacksonville in the preseason game, which hadn't really seen him do that a lot in the previous years in Pittsburgh. But he got home to Trevor Lawrence clean and fast. And although Lawrence did get the ball out, and it wasn't a sack, it was a terrible pass out of bounds, he kind of just had to throw it away, and it's fourth down, and they're punting. So I wouldn't hate to see that from Minka in this game, some more exotic stuff, some more... It doesn't even have to be just Minka, Mollette. anybody. Just send blitzes from different sides of the Mm -hmm. field, and, you know the Steelers don't blitz much as a defense. Uh, They haven't for a while, and I get why, because you're so good with just your three in the defensive line and your outside linebackers at getting home that you you don't need to blitz at all, really. So I'm not opposed to their strategy usually, but maybe I'd blitz a little bit more now with Watt out. And the Patriots' offense being so inexperienced, especially in the coaching department with their three-headed offensive coordinator monster, Give them as many different looks and different things uh, that they aren't expecting. Like, game plan-wise, you're looking at the Steelers. Well, they don't blitz very much. Probably don't have to worry about a blitz at all. Blitz them. Blitz them a lot. Make them uncomfortable. Make them have to adjust on the fly, because I don't think they got the experience to adjust on the fly.
0: No, I don't think they do either. I, I, again, it, it, to me, there's, there's no star power there. And Mac Jones, to me, I know you've said before, and, and others have said it also, that... He seems to be the best suited to have long term success of the rookies from last year in that quarterback class. But right now, i with with the talent around him, and that's been that's been no that's it's not a bad mark on his part. But you know, Brady was able to succeed as a quarterback, even though he was able to elevate certain guys like chris hogan or or Edelman or Danny Whitehead or Woodhead. He had the studs, right? He had Gronk, he had Edelman, he had Welker, and he had Randy. Mac Jones doesn't have anybody. So it's not a mark against Mac Jones here, but I just don't think he's going to be able to have at this young age the wherewithal to really dissect the Steelers defense like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning would, even when they were going up against all time great Steelers defenses in '05 and '08, 2010, in that era. I don't think he's going to be able to do that, especially given the weaponry that he'll go out there on Sunday with.
1: No, see, Mac Jones needs good players. Mm-hmm. He's not an elevator. He's someone that needs to – like Kirk Cousins has Jefferson and Thielen and Dalvin Cook, and that makes Kirk Cousins a better quarterback than I think a lot of us thought he could be. That's how I view Mac Jones. He's solid. He's a starter for the next decade, I think, in this league, whether it be for the Patriots or for a team that he goes to after this. I don't know. But he, he's going to be a starter for a while. Very good decision maker, accurate passer, thinks the game really well. That will keep you uh, having a pulse in this league for a long time. But he's not in that next tier of elevators of guys that can make players better around him. Mm. Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen. Even though Allen has great weapons, he's not ever going to do that. And I kind of view Kenny Pickett in that mold too, to be honest with you. It's not an elevator. Not an elevator. But the Steelers have a lot of good talent, a, a, a young nucleus of talent around him, way better than what the Patriots. I don't know. Have I kind of like.
0: I, I get it was in a. In a, in a in a preseason setting. But I did like what I saw out of Kenny in terms of his leadership, his wherewithal, his football acumen when it was the two-minute drill or when it was the game-winning drive against the um, the Seattle. Maybe he Seattle will be an game. elevator. Yeah, I I mean, we're not going to know until I'm he plays. Not, maybe not an elevator, but surely a leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that. He's he's definitely got leadership qualities out the uh, out the butt. But Mac Jones for sure we know isn't going to bring the level of play up for the players around him. So uh, that's why I, I especially think it's bad that the Patriots haven't found that bait web. Like you look at Jalen hurts. You look at Tua. I don't think the Eagles or the dolphins view those two guys as elevators. So what do they do? They elevate them by getting Tyree Hill and AJ Brown mm-hmm. respectively onto their teams. That, that's that's kind of what I think the Patriots need to do. If they really want to unlock the most out of Mac Jones or, get the most out of their team with Mac Jones as the quarterback, but they're not going to do the that. The issue is the guys they brought in, Devontae Parker. That ain't I mean, it. No. Like, that ain't Tyree Kill. That ain't uh, A.J. Brown.
0: Like, it wasn't that people said, oh, my gosh, now Mac Jones has Devontae Parker. What is this duo going to – what 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 havoc is this duo going to re- uh, Rick on the rest of the league? I almost wonder, like, should they go out and get Odell? Like
1: they they need someone that Mac o- Jones can get the ball to and be a playmaker.
0: I don't think Odell is the answer. The, the He's Odell not going to want to go there because Odell is n- going to pick and choose a Super Bowl contender, right? And he'll wait until like week, week 15. Six, seven, yeah. Once
1: his leg feels or ACL heals completely,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. But they do need somebody. I don't know who that somebody is, but they do need they do need a stud because Mac Jones, any quarterback, real? I mean, no, not any quarterback because as you mentioned, like. The Herberts and the Mahomes and and the Allens can can make do with a lot less, but you need like Derek Carr is about to have like his best season. Kirk Cousins, who has been like the most average quarterback ever in the history of the NFL, (laughs) is now having like the best three year stretch of his career because he now has Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he was solid with Adam Thielen and, and. uh, Stephon Diggs, when Diggs was there, but no offense to either of those guys, they're not Justin Jefferson. That's why Kirk Cousins is having such a such a career, resur- not a really resurgence, but a surge in his career. People are talking about Kirk Cousins possibly for the MVP this year, just because his his numbers could be huge with Jefferson. Yeah, I you mean, need huge numbers, and if you win that division, I, why wouldn't it be him? You need a guy, and there is a long list of absolute nobodies on New England. On New England's offensive roster right now. Yeah, they just
1: simply don't really allocate the money towards those skill position players. In fact, a lot of their money is tied up in tight ends with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith.
0: Which was okay like a couple of years ago. Uh,
1: I get what they're trying to do. Belichick's trying to tap into that Hernandez-Gronk kind of double tight scheme, and they do run a lot of double tight, New England does. Um, But Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith aren't exactly the Mark Andrews and the Travis Kelseys of the world.
0: I mean... Maybe, Hunter like, Henry's
1: pretty good.
0: Five years ago, when Hunter Henry was on the Chargers, I believe.
1: Yes, yes, he was on the Chargers in 2020, 2019, 2020. Okay, so a couple of years ago.
0: Sure, i take Hunter Henry then, but Hunter Henry now, and with Mac Jones throwing the, throwing the football. like If you put Hunter Henry on the Chargers now, with Justin Herbert and Mike Williams oh. and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, that makes a lot of sense, right? But Hunter Henry can't be... Passing option number one. Hunter Henry does enjoy playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He set career highs
1: in catches with eight, receiving yards with 100, and tied a career high with two receiving touchdowns in his only career game against Pittsburgh. That was back on October 13th, 2019, when he was with the L.A. Chargers. Hunter Henry has 70-plus receiving yards in three of his past four games versus AFC North opponents, and he has 75-plus receiving yards in two of his past three games on the road He's the guy, right? Like, in the passing game, it's Hunter Henry. I
0: Yes, but your team can't succeed with just a Hunter Henry, right? This isn't—we're not talking about Hunter Henry as Travis Kelsey here. It's just that's the best option that they have. But he's not that good enough to be pass catcher number one. Yeah,
1: he's not—and even, like, okay, so you— People out there will probably draw a lot of parallels to the Ravens then and say, "Well, they don't have any wide receivers, and they use Mark Andrews." Okay. Two things: Mark Andrews is better than Hunter. Way Henry. better. It's not even close. And Lamar Jackson is in a different league than Mac Jones. Way
0: better, not even close. That's it's, that it's is just-
1: an elevator right there in Lamar Jackson. I think he does make players around him better. Especially the running game, just because of how dynamic he is in the running game.
0: So yeah, I mean, put put Lamar on sub out Lamar for Mac Jones, and we are talking about this offense a lot differently. <laughs> we're talking about Navy football, honestly. With yeah, oh yeah, in the triple options. Like. I mean, but even sub out Mark Andrews for both John U Smith and Hunter Henry, we're talking about this team a lot differently. Like last year, the Raiders. Yeah, they had Renfro. Yeah, they had uh, uh, Rugs. Right. Hunter Ruggs or Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, yeah, Ruggs sorry, that, the guy who got um, the DUI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're they're not huge names all week long, leading up to week two. A, a weird parallel there. Everyone was saying, okay, how are you gonna stop Darren, Darren Waller? Waller Darren you know, Wallered. the ball is gonna go to Darren Waller's the rest. He had 18
1: targets in the Monday Night Football game in week one. Darren Waller, Darren Waller, Darren how, Waller.
0: Like you had to put Minka on him because you knew that was gonna be their number one option, and that left Henry Ruggs to run that deep route for a touchdown. Uh, I forget who he beat on that route, but um this isn't Darren Waller. This isn't Mark Andrews. It's and there is no Henry Ruggs on the outside. Right. There is no deep threat guy no. that can just that can just say run the go route and you your speed alone should be enough to get the edge and get into the end zone. There is nobody to compliment there's there's nobody on this offense to compliment somebody else, really.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think, first and foremost, the biggest key for your Steelers defense on Sunday is to stop Harris and stop Stevenson out of the backfield. If you can stymie the run early, and I don't really see any reason why they shouldn't be able to, especially with how well they did against an elite running back in Joe Mixon last week. If you can get that ground game off the rails early for the Patriots and they become one dimensional, that one dimension is very, very, very poor. And I think you can really take control of the football game if you control that line of scrimmage and stop the run. Their only hope is to run the ball a lot and kind of the, their game plan for success would look a lot like the Lions last year mm-hmm. when they tied the Steelers. It's just very, very run heavy. Uh, we're going to line up. Six guys, jumbo, we're going to run it down your throat and double tight. and You're just not going to be able to stop it even though you know it's coming. Hopefully the Steelers nip that in the bud early in this game because I think if you can stymie their run and get out to an early lead and force them to pass, then I think the Patriots offense is going to be in some serious trouble. Mac Jones obviously dealing with some back spasms as well, so he's not going to be... Exactly 100%, although it is expected that he will play in this game.
0: Although I'm not even intimidated by 100% Mac Jones. I'm not intimidated
1: by 100% Mac Jones because he has no weapons to throw to. So he can make all the good decisions he wants in the world. He's not not going to have many decisions available to him to make. Turnover-wise, you got to get at least a couple. I'm not banging the table asking for five every game. That's absurd to think that, but... You should be able to pick Mac Jones off once or twice, force a fumble maybe once or twice on one of these running backs or a strip sack of Jones. You got to continue to feast in that turnover department if you're the Steelers. I will say this, though, about Mac. Unlike Joe Burrow, he's probably going to be more risk-adverse. So where Burrow was trying to, you know, force in the ball, the Boyd pass was such a force. Uh, the pass that Akello jumped in front of and bobbled a couple of times, ironically, in front of Boyd again, forced that pass in there. Burrow's going to try to do that and make the plays happen. Mac Jones, I think he's going to pump fake those, mm-hmm. tuck them, and maybe dump it off to his running back. So in a weird way, maybe it's harder to pick off Mac Jones than Joe Burrow, but I still think you got to get a couple of turnovers in this game. Your your MO as a Steelers defense needs to be two turnovers at least in every game.
0: Yeah, this— or what you saw last week was one of a kind. It was the only yeah, time... it's not going to happen like It was that. the only time in Steelers history where they forced at least seven sacks, or they, they got at least seven sacks and forced at least four interceptions. And only they, time in the franchise's history. And so, they almost lost. Yes, they almost Which lost. Which was wild. Almost lost. Like, there was a
1: point in the game when it was like this stat popped up. Steelers have three sacks and three interceptions, and they're up by three points. Like, ugh, that doesn't add up.
0: No. Uh it, it it was I guess like we've said all week long it was not a pretty win but a win is a win uh, and Tom will take that any day of the week but we're not asking again for seven sacks and four interceptions and a and a forced fumble to boot right we're we're asking I think you can get to the quarterback I'm not saying seven sacks but I like I remember last year there was a time where people were saying on a given game the Steelers could maybe get to the quarterback 10 times. I forget who they were playing, but there was one week where everyone in in, in town was saying the, the 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 bar should be set at 10 sacks. I'm not say I think that's a little unrealistic, but people were were clearly eager to get to that number and I think they team ended up getting like 7 sacks that day, so not quite 10, but still any team will take 7 sacks in a given game. I think you can get to the quarterback at least 3 Four times on Sunday.
1: Okay, let's do this. Over, under, five and a half sacks.
0: I'll go under, mm. but I, I, I'd be happy with five. Like I could see five happening. Over, under, two and a half turnovers. I think if you really, because we've said how ugly this game can be for both offenses, I think if you want to win the game, you have to hit the over there.
1: Over, under, .5 pick sixes for me. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one.
0: Well, that's I think, the other thing, though. Like, you know what's you, funny? You is can't that, rely on a quick six like that. You know every what's game. funny is that. Right, that's a great point. But really quickly, when we were doing our season predictions um, for the team, the over/unders, yes, we had set the bar for Minka at one and a half, and I think we both took the under, but we both said we nailed that. We, we'd happy to go. We'd be happy, or we'd expect it to be at least one. So he's halfway there. Minka over under four and a half interceptions
1: is what we had. Okay, I so think we're we took the oh, over well, We might have taken the under on that one just because four is a lot of interceptions.
0: I think we took the over though because last year, did, last year. I think last year was the only yang. time in his in his time with the Steelers where he hit that under. So I think I went the over there.
1: And one and a half TDs, so he is literally just one TD away from cashing that over in.
0: So you can't expect to get a a pick six or a a scoop and score every single week. How about this
1: guy, reputation of, other than last year, I have a pick six in every season. Oh, I didn't get one in 2021. Let's take care of that in our second play from scrimmage in 2022.
0: And here's the thing. I, I loved your point, too, that in a weird, twisted way, it may be harder to pick off Mac Jones, but... Equally so, I think you can get to him just as easily as you did last week with with uh, Joe Burrow.
1: Yes. Subscribe right now to the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast. Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks with head coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day, and they are available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Definitely download that podcast. Give it a listen before kickoff on Sundays. You will not hear more insightful stuff from Coach Tomlin anywhere leading up to the game other than when he sits down with Labs for that pregame chat. So one of the best podcasts we mm-hmm. have going. This is also one of the best podcasts that we Absolutely. have going. And in our next episode, it's a Fireside Friday. Your that, favorite. That means our we're favorite. looking around the NFL. We're talking our triple play picks. We're doing our Steelers picks against the Patriots. It is the best segment anywhere all week long. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. And this is the Steeler Standard.